Hi, everybody. This is Emily Trenum, the host of Memphis Metropolis. I'm away from the microphone this week, so we're rebroadcasting one of my favorite episodes. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm your host, Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis is all about our city as an urban place, including its neighborhoods, buildings, pathways, and parks, as well as the people who shape it. Join us each week as community leaders and commentators talk with me about our shared built environment. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Emily Trenum, the host of Memphis Metropolis. And today we're turning our attention to urban agriculture. And my guests are Bobby Rich and Deravia Rich from the Black Seeds Urban Farms, which is in the heart of the Uptown neighborhood. So welcome, you guys. Hello, Emily. It's a pleasure to finally meet you virtually. Yes, Yes, (laughs) definitely. Thank you so much for inviting us. We're happy to be here and talk to you, uh, Emily, about urban agriculture. So so let's just sort of, I'm interested in your, you know, briefly sort of your, you know, the personal story, what got you to, um, what got you to the point, what your backgrounds are and what got you to the point of, opening black seeds what was that journey what was that journey okay well bobby i guess i'll jump in and just kind of speak briefly about the origin of black seeds and how you um even started gardening Mm -hmm. uh well emily um i always like to keep this on the same timeline as when our daughter was conceived and born because that timeline is very parallel with how we kind of birth black seeds. And, and it um, makes it so easier to track, I guess, too. It does. It, it actually yeah. does, Bobby. <laughs> uh, Koi is almost seven years old. So I, you know, say that Bobby has, he started doing this maybe about seven years ago. Um, but while I was pregnant, um, Bobby started gardening as a hobby. Um, he would play around in our backyard at our, at our house that we lived in. I noticed that he was like starting to plant in tires when he very first started gardening. He would play around with tires. He would play around and make garden rows and garden beds in our backyard. So um, he had always had an interest with working out in the yard, making our yard look pretty. And so back in 2015, when he started playing around with gardening and pre-COVID, right? Yes, pre-COVID, when he started playing around with gardening, I started to notice that he really had an interest in it. And it was something that really got his attention. So for a few years, Bobby just played around in our backyard, growing stuff, pulling it up, uh, being amazed that he could grow some tomatoes and stuff like that. And so work kind of got out around, you know, with our friends, our family, and even in our neighborhood. Like our neighbors would literally come over to our house. We we lived in a cove and our neighbors were, uh, you know, a few years older than, us, older than us or older than us. And they would notice that we had a nice looking yard. So they would come over and they were like, 
God, you know, this man, you know, or this boy has a beautiful yard. What is he doing? How is he making the flowers look so beautiful over there? Yeah, it was flowers before it was food, though. I mean, I just yeah, want to make sure it was like a, a kind of pretty front yard. Food, okay. Yeah. And so it our neighbors kind of started to notice that we had a pretty yard. And then my family started to notice that he was growing food. Now, you know, let me mention, um, I grew up in a family that has always grown organic food in our backyard. Uh, my grandfather, I was raised by my grandparents, and my grandfather always had a garden in our backyard and in our home. So growing food in the backyard was nothing new to me because it was something that my family had done my whole life, as well as my mother and, you know, everybody in my family. Our whole life, we, we are used to my grandfather growing food in our garden. So when my family got word that Bobby was growing food. They're like, you know, okay, Bobby can grow a little something. I see those tomatoes, I see those okra. And one of my uncles in particular, we call him Bubba. His name is Robert Freeman. But when Bubba got word that Bobby was growing food, he's like, what? Bobby's he, growing food in the backyard. Out of like, all her uncles, he was like the one who really took a, a like his father, her grandfather took her uncle Bubay under his wing right. because her My grandfather could see that Bubay really had a he like had a passion too, so. for it, just like yeah. Bobby. And so my grandfather taught my uncle a lot of the things that his father taught him. So it was like my grandfather passed it on to my uncle, and then my uncle passed it on to my husband, ironically. And my husband and my uncle, they have a lot of similarities. Way before this whole gardening thing came about, um, they already had a bond. They, you know, had a relationship. Uh, my uncle Bubba is a retired lieutenant from the Memphis Fire Department. And Bobby is also a firefighter. So they kind of already had a bond and a relationship. So when my uncle found out about him growing food, I think he just like really found it to be so funny and humorous. This boy wanted to be just like me. Right. He's probably like, what he said. let me teach this boy how to grow stuff for real. And yeah, he did okay. just that. He showed Bobby how to... Um, break open ground he starts to show him you know uh how to broadcast seeds like yes, an old how to broadcast seeds how to do all these things to start gardening and so that was like for me the moment where bobby started to really take gardening seriously and growing food seriously when my uncle uh starts to pull him in and say hey this is how you do it and i was so happy that my uncle did that because everybody that know knows him knows that he is good at everything that he does so bobby <laughs> did you grow up in that community um i i did not um me and my wife we're we're our um upbringing is kind of contrast and how we met is really it's really crazy so I, my mom and my father, my mom's from here. My mom actually lives six blocks away from where DeRavio was raised at. Yeah, she's so, from the neighborhood that I'm She's from the neighborhood. Oh, what neighborhood is that? This uh, South Memphis. Wait, wait, wait. Community member of Castellia. Try to talk it once. I mean, you know, one at a time if, you, if we can. Go ahead, baby. <laughs> I'm so, a proud member of the Castellia Magnolia neighborhood. Okay. And Bobby, where'd you grow up? Um, uh, well, my mom, she is from, um, she's from South Memphis, which is where Castellia, Bunker Hill, Magnolia, it's a lot of small yep. neighborhoods that make up South Memphis, of course. But my mom was actually, her neighborhood was six blocks away from where the Ravia neighborhood was from. And so my mom and all her aunts and uncles, they, they all went to high school together, of course, at different years. And so, um, I moved to Memphis 
um, in the, around the third grade um, to help my my mom moved here. Funny as it is, to help my grandma, who's had a beauty shop here for the for about 30, 40 years. She still currently has. She still currently has it, right? And that's the only job she she's ever had. She's always been a beautician, and she's been a a community uh, leader and advocate. And so we moved here as my grandma got older, and my mama as a beautician as well. So we moved here to help her uh, with her business. And so um, my grandma's house, which is where I grew up at too, uh, you know, in the summer times and all the you know when I'm out of school, was right down the street from this house. Okay. And so just moving back here and, and just me and Deravia, our courtship and then how we end up marrying, everybody was kind of blown away. They're like, oh, you, you Didi's son. You know, it was just, it was really like that kind of thing. So how did you uh, end up, the two of you moving into the Uptown community? So to go back a little bit, Bobby's passion for gardening actually picked up. Once my uncle got hold to him, he started to show him different uh, planting practices, and Bobby just completely just took off with it. Um, he gained that knowledge, and he started to really grow a lot of food to the point where his coworkers, neighbors, church members, all different type of people started to hear and notice that we were growing food. And also taste, because I was bringing and, it. <laughs> yes, we would taste it and love it. So once I realized that what Bobby was doing, how his outreach was growing exponentially, I decided to turn it into a business in 2019. Okay. And when we decided to turn it into a business, I started to search for land um, to grow on a, uh, grow more food because our home garden that we were growing out of in Castilla, we needed more because that was our family garden. And so that's how I went on a search for land and I ended up finding the land in Uptown. But you're but you live there as well, right? Or it's just no. Oh, okay, I get it. I have never lived in the Uptown area. Um, while uh, creating this business, I went through many land searches throughout the city of Memphis. Um, and I finally connected with the city of Memphis Community Redevelopment Agency. Right. And when we connected with the CRA, they really helped us with our land search and they helped us find the perfect lot to cultivate a garden. Okay. So the, so the, the Black Seeds Urban Farms is what's in Uptown and you guys yes. still live in the Castellian neighborhood. Yes. We okay. still have our home garden that we'll never let go. Okay. And 2019 <laughs> is the year when that whole thing, you decided to launch it. Yes, ma'am. 2019 was a very transitional year for me and for Bobby. In 2019, I stepped into entrepreneurship uh, that same year, Bobby, um, I think that's when he really considered his, himself as a professional. Um, um, he went and um, got his master gardener certification. Um, so he is a certified master gardener. And that's also uh, the same year that my grandmother passed away. She passed away in 2019. And that was the year where we decided that... Um, our garden could be used for many, many purposes, uh, not just to um, grow and harvest organic food. But when she passed, we used our home garden as a therapeutic space to um, kind of release and get through our grieving process for her um, as, as we mourned her transition. 
And so that's why our garden and black seeds, that's why we have all of this therapeutic uh, stuff like hammocks and swings, because our garden is used to relax your mind and to uh, pretty much used as an area, a Zen area. Okay. Okay. That, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I can, I can imagine that gardening and farming could be therapeutic in that way. For sure. It is, yes. But before we, you, you talk so much about your family. So before that, we move on to the, talk more about the farms. I wanted to ask about family. So I, so it seems like, you know, in the, and maybe this is true. Uh, it just seems like that there's, you know, home gardening. I mean, serious home gardening um, to feed the family is something that, our grandparents' generations did. And then it kind of, you know, skipped a generation in a lot of cases. And, and you know, now younger people are sort of picking that back up. Do you think that that's true? I do. And I know Bobby has a lot to say about that, but um, I definitely do. Well, and one thing I heard, so and somebody told me this, because I know, you know, people over the years that have done community gardens. And a friend of mine told me that, um, you know, in the in the black community, um, you know, people grew their own food out of necessity. And, you know, when they could go to the grocery store, they're like, you know, we we're not doing that anymore. Now we stop. You know, now we shop at the store. We've moved up and but lost all. And of course, it's not only cheaper, but healthier. And I was just wondering if you if, if you sort of agreed with that and reflect on that for a minute. Yeah, I absolutely um I think that um, by means of of necessity that people are becoming their own local gardeners and they're growing food um, on their own property, which uh, looking towards the future is really the only way that we're going to be able to feed so many people with limited resources, right? Um, Now, from a cultural standpoint, um, horticulture, which is... uh, if, if we're going to define horticulture, horticulture is um, is really the study of plants for um, a gardening and uh, ornamental purposes, right? Um, and this is just so that comes from a how do you look at that, right? So how do we look at that from in a black community um, growing from for necessity, and then how do you look at that from a colonial standpoint? Right. And so garden gardening from our, you know, my grandma, my grandparents, they traded food, they traded flowers. Right. And it, it was a um, it was almost kind right of, there in their neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And um, and so it wasn't just a food. We would dig up flowers for one another and we would trade those and plant those and just throw them out. And they were perennial. They'll be perennial. So they'll pop up and pop up and pop up. And so um, so that's one thing from a cultural perspective. Right. And so a lot of plants that have entered into the agricultural trade uh, from China and from Asia, like the azalea bush and the mimosa tree and the silk tree and all these things that don't have any real ecological value here in America. Right. A lot of those came here during the time of exploration or during the age of exploration or, as some people say, the age of exploitation, which I like to say. Um, and so these plants were just kind of shipped all around the world at a time when Europe was expanding its worldview. You know, uh, at the time, Europe was a very small, it had a kind of a small worldview. And so as they expanded into these tropical areas, right, outside of the temperate zone, 
they saw all this biodiversity. Plants were so different outside of, you know, when you can sit the temperatures above 80 degrees. So you start getting all kinds of plants, all types of people. And so um, when they were colonizing, now, when they were colonizing in Latin America and Africa and countries like that, they saw a lot of things they'd never seen before. Right. Absolutely. And, and unfortunately, some of these people who are naming plants and researching them never have even been to these places before. Yep. Right. They had plants being shipped back to them. Um, a lot of a lot of the, the pioneers or the the um, the people who were doing this exploration um, for Western Europe. Uh, they were buying this as well. So what and, you're saying, I guess, is that not only are some of these plants that we love not native, which I knew, but some of them have, um, you know, a history that's not, um, we wouldn't necessarily be proud of if we, I mean, not to say we should not grow them. I don't have an opinion about that, but has a has a deeper history in terms of where they were they came from and who named them and right. how they got here. That's so interesting. Yeah. I love, and I love how you said, but um, just to not even judge the plants because it's not the plants. It really is just it was a, it was an age, an era that we lived through. But I'd like to say that uh, plants, whether they're invasive or non-invasive, but plants that aren't from here, they're just far away from home. Whether they're they're not inherently bad, right? Some of them have medicinal qualities to them. So that's one whole bag in and of itself. But to talk about urban and inner city gardening as a form of necessity. If you think about, um, I think Boston had the first really huge community garden right after um, the uh, Great Depression. And they built this um, this huge park. It was like a, I think it was about like 10 or 12 acre park right in the middle of Boston. And it was because of necessity. It's because people needed high nutritional value, locally grown food. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to slip into this theme of, you know, hey, look at me, I'm vegan. Hey, look at me, I'm vegetarian. When we still have to solve problems like world hunger, right? right. Inner city hunger. And so that's kind of my bag of horticulture. I'm me as a black man that gardens. I have to kind of know that history. Right. It's not it's I like it. I like to talk about it. It connects a lot of dots. It makes a lot of things make sense. Um, but it also kind of helps erase the hubris and just all this arrogance of things and just names of things and practices that really aren't going to solve anything. And so, um, okay. that's, 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 that's kind of my thing. About that's it. good to dig into. It's really, it is really interesting. The cultural component. I mean, we do think about, you know, food access and sort of the practical pieces of it, but the cultural history of it is not something I've thought about a lot, but it's really, there's a lot there too. When you scratch the surface, there's a lot there underneath. It's a rabbit hole. <laughs> there's a lot under there, absolutely. Yes, so, so the, so Black Seeds Urban Farms, it's so, um, it's open to the public and, and I mean, is it open certain days of the week and what kind of programs do you have and do you sell food and I haven't been there yet and I'm um, You have to come, Emily. Yes, I am. You definitely we gotta get have you out to there. Come. We so, would listen, love for you to visit. <laughs> listen, I come down I come to the uptown neighborhood all the time and for a long time I didn't okay. even know you were there. So yeah. Really? Definitely. Well, so I'm, I'm glad that you know we're there. <laughs> definitely. Oh, I'm planning to make a trip very soon. But in the meantime, and I've of course, you know, I saw a video that the CRA made. So I see I've seen it on video, but but I mean what kinds of um, 
you know, sort of, sort of from a formal perspective, what do you do there? I mean, obviously you garden and, and it's a, a small farm, but what kind of programs and services do you have? Can people just come there and meditate or do you have educational programs? Just tell me a little bit about the, the enterprise, I guess, if for want of a better <laughs> word. Okay. Hey, yes. Dorema, I, I know you got a whole lot to say about this. This is your strong suit. I just want to say a little thing for you to get started, Dorema, but I, me, my wife, me being the gardener, her being the just everything, my wife is just a powerhouse. She does everything as far as the grants, the writing, the organization. Oh, she does all that stuff. I'm just the guy with the dirty fingernails that moves compost from this point <laughs> A from point B. But you're the but you're the reason none of that would be happening if it weren't for the dirty fingernails. So right, right. But we're we're and I guess it's, that's what makes it's like see so interesting is because we're marrying two concepts that we care, care a great deal about, and her with the entertainment and the picnicking and hosting and making green spaces hostable i like to say like making them comfortable especially in uptown or south memphis our community hasn't really had a lot of places where they can have contemplative walks where they can go somewhere and meditate where they can and also get you know pick food or cut flowers and so that we're just kind of sh shaking hands with those two things with black seeds but but my wife she has a whole list of things she's i'm sure she's so the concepts you're marrying really are the the gardening slash farming and the entrepreneurship, right? When you talk about right. two concepts coming together and and turning your passion, Bobby, into you know a business or an enterprise of some kind, right? Yeah, she was tired of me giving peppers away for free at the fire station. I'm just gonna come out and say, it. yeah, well, and she was like, <laughs> all right, well, put something. all right, Dorothy, you can jump in here. <laughs> yeah, we decided to turn it into a business because we you know, saw firsthand how much of a need organic food is for people in Memphis. The neighborhood that I grew up in, the neighborhood that I come from is a perfect example of how um, families can be challenged and neglected um, grocery store access. So we yep. wanted to yep. grow foods for people who did not have it in their home's proximity. Um, but we created Black Seeds um, to not only to just grow organic foods, vegetables, and herbs, but we created that space to shape a new outlook on the food we eat. Not only shape an out, a new outlook on the food we eat, but where it is grown. So we wanted to create a space, an outdoor experience that's enjoyable for all, whether it's coming to, you know, take a relaxing walk, to contemplate, to read a book, um, to swing in the, the hammocks. We wanted that space for people to come and just enjoy the natural environment. Um, I mentioned earlier that a, a, a component of Black Seeds uh, came from me and my husband and some of my family members as well using our home garden as a therapeutic space to um, release after my grandmother passed on. And I also watched a lot of Bobby's co-workers from the fire department, like after they get off a shift at seven o'clock in the morning, you know, firefighters work a 24 hour shift on and off. I would notice a lot of his co-workers would come to our garden and use our garden to do that exact thing. They would use it as a release, as a space to just inhale, exhale and breathe and kind of leave what happened, the chaos from yesterday 
using that space to just release it and leave it in the past. And so both of those experiences from my own and watching Bobby's coworkers use it, we added that and married those concepts in that. So that's where that um the whole uh, Zen aspect of Black Seeds come from because we've witnessed it work on, you know, ourselves and our family and coworkers. Well, especially now, I mean, I feel like we're, you know, people are, it was already, people were very stressed. I mean, Mm -hmm. by life Mm -hmm. and, but the last couple of years, you know, people have been super stressed or experiencing trauma. um, Mm -hmm. And, and I think, you know, especially at the beginning of COVID, we were, we had nothing but the outdoors. I mean, I, that was the only thing I was doing, leaving my house was to, I live near Overton Park, was to just, Mm -hmm. just to walk and then walk Mm -hmm. in my neighborhood. And I can only imagine that that was a sanctuary, a a sanctuary for people. It was, Emily, it was the perfect time. Initially, we were planning to open Black Seas in 2020. But because of the pandemic, we had to slow all of that down and we didn't open up until July 2021. But that setback was the perfect time for us to go and transform Black Seas into exactly what we had imagined. So the pandemic helped us in so many ways. It was a blessing. It not only taught us patience, but it helped us to incorporate more things into our business that people need that they haven't been previously getting uh, pre-pandemic. So when can, um, how can, when can people visit? I mean, when is it open? Yes. Okay. So you asked that Black Seeds is everything is appointment based. Okay. Um, If someone wants to book an event, um, or visit, we do everything appointment based. Our email is blackseas2020 at gmail.com. Um, we also accept appointments through um, social media messages, uh, but we are not open at all times. We do not have operating hours. And that's because everything at Black Seas is very personable. And with our clients, we um, like to communicate with them on a personal basis. So when they come to our garden, we know we expecting them to come and what they want to get out of that experience. We make sure we provide it. Um, You also asked about services. Um, So uh, we have event space rental our garden is used for outdoor events. So if people want to uh, book our space for an outdoor uh, event, you can do that. We've had parties. Uh, we've had concerts, yoga classes. Uh, we just recently had a watercolor painting class. We've had all different type of outdoor events, and they are very, very fun. We also offer private picnic packages. Um, they're so nice. Oh, my God. And what about the the vegetables? Like, do you sell those, or do people do you give them away? Or um, do, so, do you have any educa- I mean, are there educational programs? Can, do people come and help? 
we um, do. And learn. We do. Yes, we do. We have educational classes for adults and youth um, where we um, we're actually having some of our garden classes coming up uh, in the month of June. So if anybody's listening, if you're on Instagram, please make sure you look out for our gardening classes. Bobby is is, is very excited about that. Um, but we do have youth classes as well. Um, we offer um, field trips and tours. Um, we've had schools and daycares come and visit our garden, uh, where an educational component is also included in that. Um, and then I want to get back to the picnic packages. They are so, so nice. They are luxurious um, and customizable. With our picnics, we do like a traditional picnic where you will have the basket, um, we have the picnic cutlery, uh, pallets. It's your traditional setup. Um, and, and, and like I said, it's customizable. Some picnics, um, wine is included. We offer charcuterie boards. It's the whole setup, and it's really nice to where you can use our garden at your private leisure. Okay, that sounds great. Where, where do the vegetables come in? Do you, like I said, do you go to the farmer's market? Do you have like a little urban farm stand or? This year, we are definitely going to participate in more farmer's markets. Uh, previously, we give all of our food away to residents in the Greenlaw community. Okay. Um, so all of the families that live right there near our garden, we give that uh, what we grow to them. Uh, but we have also been outsourcing what we grow to local food hubs. We've Work with Memphis Tills, bring it a food hub. Yep. We uh, sell some of our stuff to them. We love Memphis Tills. We love Memphis uh, Mia Madison and Miss Ada over there yeah, Mia, at the Bring It Food Hub. I've known Mia a long time. She's great. Oh, she's awesome. She is like a big sister to us, and she definitely guides us professionally. So we appreciate her. So what about? So this is so it's just so so interesting. So I definitely need to come down and get some vegetables because Please. I do not. We have I have a huge yard, but we're not very. We don't have the energy or the or the vision for gardening. So and, and, and that's another thing that we offer too with our lineup of services. We offer garden consultations and garden services. So if there is um a. a, a someone who wants to uh, cultivate a garden at their home, at their business, at their church, or if they're, uh, or someone, an organization is in need of land transformation, we do specialize in that where we're able to um, get our team together and we help cultivate gardens. Okay, that's good to know. But we are very connected with Ag Launch. Uh, we love Jade Clark and their team over there. I know, um, I've met Jade um an orange mound actually and very intelligent and knowledgeable she is also another person that we reach out to often um so we 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 speak with her regularly um bobby um and i both are like we have a list of things that we're involved in Uh, bobby is a memphis area master gardener um i work in the agriculture industry uh through the give grant program uh, what I do at uh, TCAT Covington, um, I coordinate their digital agronomy program. Um, that's also an agricultural effort. So what is, dig- what is digital agronomy? So digital agronomy is, I like to say to make a, a, a long story short, is the marriage of agriculture and technology. And what we're doing with the digital agronomy program is we are creating um, ag programs that can be deployed 
on the post-secondary level. Uh, that's what we do here at TCAT Covington, as well as the elementary and middle and high school grade levels. So we're trying to incorporate ad curriculums um, as early as elementary to spark an interest for students in this industry um, and to educate them and let them know there are many opportunities in the agriculture industry. So so basically it's using technology in uh -huh. the agriculture to industry. To increase farming productions. That's exactly what it is. Okay. Okay. That's, that's super interesting. So I noticed, and maybe this was just a, when you were naming it, but I noticed that the, the name of your organization is the Black Seeds Urban Farms plural. Mm -hmm. And so I was wondering if, as, as opposed to farm, and so I was wondering if this was, <laughs> I was wondering if this was part of it, sort of the first step in a larger vision, or if you're just going to kind of do what you're doing. Um, and that's my, the vision. Yes. I love, I love the way your brain works. And I'm going <laughs> to let Bobby jump in and say what he has to say, but without telling too much, you are the very first person who has noticed that it is Black Seas Urban Farms and not farm. And so, yes, we do have a goal of, uh, having more gardens. The garden that we have in Black Seas is the first, um, growing space that we plan, uh, that we've planned out, but we do have more gardens and and uh, garden visions throughout local Memphis in our uh, future plans. Okay, Bobby, okay, jump in so, here. Okay, I think I spoke a little bit earlier about how we're going to have to, like, feed ourselves in the future, right, with the limited resources we have. And so um, that, that's why I this excites me. And, and um, Black Seas is really kind of like the blueprint that I feel um, of – making food more central in the community because yes ma'am because uh, i think it was probably world war one or two when they started to decentralize farmers and they separate them and split them up so actually farmers grow all these food and they yield a lot um but they don't feed the people around them you know they send food all around the world and that's you know for capitalistic reasons but people aren't getting fed so we we have to do this on private property. That's that's my, I think that's what I'm getting at. If we if we wait to try to see you know when they're going to allocate funds for this and when they're going, I think 97 percent of the land on east of the Mississippi is privately owned. So the notion of nature mm -hmm. being over there, and you know we're going to do whatever we want to over here. That's that's long gone, and that it's not going to be sustainable for too much longer. Uh, so the, yeah, what we're right. doing is and actually, I think, the new way of agriculture is kind of like redefining how we grow food, uh, you know, different practices on how we can make food more nutritional. But that's why I put the S on Black Seas, long story short, is because <laughs> we want this to expand. We want to truly empower people, you know, teach them something where they can go off on their own and, you know, and do it. And, you know, because... That's what we need. We need more people to, to grow food on their on their private property. So, Okay. I like that vision. And you could sort of incubate or train or um, encourage people to, do, to replicate this in other places. Absolutely. Right. Well, whether it's in their own home or in their community. But yes, ma'am, that is the goal for us to not only do what we're doing, but show other people how to and do also, that as and well. When you think about it, when, when we talk about centralizing food and forming some type of um, 
like a center point, like a, a reference point to where like, okay, this is where we're going to get our food at. That, that automatically changes food distribution almost instantly. You know, it shows the interconnectivity right. of all these things, um, including the compromised food system, including the disease and health industry. Like, these things are not separate. You know, you eat pizza, and of course you're going to get high blood pressure to eat too much of it. But uh, we have to redefine what we call food, how we grow it. And I think all that kind of starts with being in a better relationship with the things that we eat. So do you think people, and maybe this is a dumb question, but do you think there's a lot of people like the two of you that want to grow your own food, want to grow I their do. own food? I, I do. I do. And they reach out to us often. They I do. But the anxiety creeps in not too far after that because, you know, people don't want things to die. And then people, it's, it's a lot of anxiety that comes with growing food because people, I don't, we're not, we're not in a real relationship with food like that. You know what I mean, Emily? Like, we go buy our food somewhere, we heat it up, we eat it, and then it's endless. Like, there's no, there's yep. no relationship, really. It, it's almost like, want to be healthy, want to live longer, but the things that make us live longer and make us healthy, we don't, we have, we have no relationship with them. We, we, we have, you know, so that's, that's, I think that's the disconnect. Well, and I think also it's just a lot of, there's a lot of laboring involved. I mean, even if you're good at it, it's a lot of work. Like I'm a person, you know, I love fresh food. I eat seasonally. I shop at the farmer's market around the, you know, all year round. I mean, I'm not saying I never, I I don't, don't grow anything. You know, I grow tomatoes and we have other things, but in terms of growing my food to eat, I would never I probably wouldn't do it unless I had to, because it's just, it's a lot of work. That's why I asked if people, but it sounds like there's a lot of people that do want to do it. They just need the tools, the resources, mm-hmm. the inspiration, and the land that they own. Absolutely. I absolutely. think those are the top four. That, think, that's very true. Land, yep, absolutely. Those are the, yep. Mm-hmm. And you're right. A lot of that does have to do okay. with, like, accessibility. A lot of that does have to do with age and, you know. Mm-hmm. There are a lot, and I want to say this: um, the overall health of a community is benefited by increasing its capacity to create an environment that truly sustains its residents. And a lot of underserved communities in Memphis um, have gone just through that. You know, they don't have the access, they don't have the resource, they don't have the skills needed to sustain and so agriculture is everything and agriculture is interconnected to everything and with this transformation that i believe that the city of memphis is on the brink of we cannot deny we cannot overlook the agriculture industry and the benefits that come along with um, with that. And so I think this is the first step to uh, reimagining um, so many different things is, you know, delving into uh, this space and creating resources for people to uh, not only um, eat healthy, but to know where to get those healthy food. And, options and one more from. thing, Emily, just to kind of to tag in. And um, I just want to tie in a whole lot just to bring bring it fully in. I've um, I I know now as we define the way that we value food is more of on like a weight base, right? It's like how much can I yield, and and the value that 
and so when people like me and Deravia grow food or people who grow food on a more locally sourced, small scale, um, very high nutritional value food, um, it, it seems it's like we're pioneering, right? It seems like we're the innovative people, but it's, we're only innovative is because we don't value food on a nutritional basis right now on the agricultural level. It's just about how much do you have? How much does it weigh? I think once we kind of start. Well, and people are growing corn and soybeans and so much of agriculture is, yeah. is those things that are not nutritional I mean, it's at all. really monocropping and I call it mining. It's I, it, Agriculture makes it sound fluffy. You're really mining the earth. That's exactly what You know, Bobby, that's really wise. I think that that's, that's a great analogy. Yeah, that's so there's interesting. No there's no life. It's very death-based. It's like, um, let me see how much I can get to feed these people, to meet the demand. And what happens is, like, the quality is lost. But if farmers really, and it's blessed their hearts because... Like I said, they're not. There's no incentive to grow nutritional food yet. But I think once people really, and we know this, but once it clicks to us that we're feeding our kids like compromised foods, and it's yeah, yeah, junk. And, and so I mean the the ten the yeah. ten trillion dollar food industry a year. So this compromised food in, industry makes ten trillion dollars a year. It it. You you buy that food and that also supports the thirty to forty trillion dollar health and disease industry and and it's it's best being supported by the people buying the compromised food, so there has to be a cut in the vicious cycle where people say hey I don't have to buy this wait is that even food, right? <laughs> so you're trying to you're trying to intervene in that and say, you know, wait a minute. Because Emily, isn't that different. our, that's the place where normal people, we can catalyze at that point because that's somewhere where people can say, I can make a difference there. That's the place because. Well, you can't, you can make a difference. Yeah, you can. I mean, um, and yeah, you can in, impact families by helping them get healthier food and the whole family is going to yeah. be healthier. If, it's a healthier. Um, like, I, and I think that's what we're missing. I think yes. the convenience of food and defining food as something that goes in my mouth, which is very a broad brush. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then Feel really feel right, for my body. Exactly. And, and then we can start <laughs> to, and, 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 and again, where can people create change? Where can people feel like I, I feel empowered now after this speech or after, you know, Bobby just whatever. Now I feel like this is a point where I can do something because if not, it seems really audacious. And then because everybody wants it, like you said, a lot of people have land or they acquire it. And then once they do that, there's no kind of systemic way of saying, okay, I have land. How do I form a community? People instantly, they automatically go to real estate and they never double down to think about food at all. And so that's that's where I'm kind of feeling like where we are now. But yeah, uh, that's, that's OK. OK, well, that's fascinating. Well, so this was such an interesting discussion that I forgot to introduce you in the middle. And that is something that I've I've never done. So that's that's a testament to how interesting Thank this discussion has to me. Compliment. That's <laughs> so let me, before we go, um, well, I've been, so I've been talking to Duravia Rich and Bobby Rich from the Black Seeds Urban Farms uh, on Memphis Metropolis. But before we ring off you two, 
what do you want? I mean, we did talk about all the great events at the, and and I'll put the contact information for, for, you know, for in the podcast version of the show, I'll put the contact information, on the website, so people can reach out. But is there anything about the, the farm garden that I, that you want people to know that we didn't already talk about? I think that we covered mostly everything. Um, Except, I know Bobby, maybe briefly, he should kind of go over what we actually have growing currently. Yes, please. Okay. Yes, if you want to do that, Bobby, because we've mentioned all of the services that we offer. And, and where people can go for free yes. samples, asking for a Look, friend. Listen, Emily, <laughs> we are the kings and queens of free samples. Me and my wife make so many care packages. It was, I mean, it was scare the average person. We love to just cut things and put them in. But my wife, she's the bag. I call her the bag lady. Because if it was up to me, like, I would just put stuff in people's hands and, and my wife makes sure they have a nice bag so they can put them in, you know. Um, but so a way that you can make, if you want to get a free sample, um, if you can, if you, everybody knows where we are, if you see me there, that is your opportunity to sneak you a sample. I am there. So and what, what, do you, and what are you growing? What's, what, what are you growing okay. this year? Okay, Food so wise. let me start from the back and work my way up to the front. I'm trying to visualize it, so. Uh, let's start with herbs because, um, our herbs are, we, we give those away a whole lot. We got lemongrass, we have lemon balm, we have peppermint, we have spearmint, um, we have edible flowers from borage flowers to, um, scarlet runner beans, okra flowers, uh, we have rosemary, uh, Mar- we there have marigold, rosemary, uh, blah, 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 lavender. Oh, my goodness. Thyme. Thyme. Uh, we have squash. We have cucumbers. We have black uh, a blackberry trellis. We have apple trees, eggplant. pear trees. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to get, I want I to love get hungry. We, I, let me see. Uh, we are. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am we already. Have, uh, two types of lettuce. I'm, I'm already making my. I'm making my Listen, shopping list have, in my mind. We, we have made kale. Like, uh, we, we have made like spinach, a, a, a lettuce, uh, a garden bed, and it's just like uh, fresh cut salads. It's like a salad mix. So we have arugula, lettuces, and all types of. Oh, so you have, have arugula. arugula? Okay, kale, some of that. Uh, black seeded Simpson lettuce. We have butter lettuce. We have. I mean, it, we just. Onions. Oh. I am seriously getting. I am seriously getting yeah. hungry. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Amber, right, because like, I definitely love a salad right now. Whew. All right, all right. This is this is really great. So um, this has just been such an interesting discussion. So I've been talking to uh, Deravia Rich and Bobby Rich from Black Seeds Urban Farms, located on North Fourth Street in the. Mm-hmm. In the Uptown neighborhood, don't just stop by. Uh, you need an appointment. Tell them you're coming. Although Bobby says if he's there, if you do stop by, <laughs> you might get a right? care package. <laughs> you might get a blessing. So thank you guys so much for coming on Memphis Metropolis. We love talking to you. I hope we can do this again. It's been a, I love the conversation. Emily. Definitely. Thanks, Duravia. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis airs every Monday at 1, so please tune in again next week. You can listen to past programs on our program page 
at wyxr.org or on memphismetropolis.com. You can also follow us and send feedback on social media. Now, stay tuned for Memphis Undercover with Nancy. Thank you.